Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. It is a pleasure to have you in the house of God today. And man, I tell you what, I'm excited about the series we've been doing. We've been talking about what we do. This is what we do. And what we add, God multiplies. Whatever you give. And I want to say thank you once again to each and every one of you, whether you gave cash or whether you donated sleeping bags, whether you gave tents, whatever the case may be, we are still handing out items to people in need. In fact, my wife and I, as we were driving into church this morning, saw a couple homeless people. We pulled over and we walked, gave them a tent, gave them a sleeping bag, gave them a, a Starbucks card as well as a Chick-fil-A card as well. And they were so excited to receive these things. And I want you to know that's not us giving it to them. It's you giving it to them. And so we are partnering together to touch lives and I just want to say thank you so much for your partnership and we got a lot of work to do we're not done yet amen stand to your feet as we get into the word today everyone shout this is what we do what we got done speaking about this is who we are now we're talking about this is what we do today we're not gonna we're actually gonna talk about this is what we do is that we don't give up on people Say it again, Pastor. We don't give up on people. God didn't give up on us, so we don't give up on others. Whether it's your husband, your wife, your kids, your boss, your your, your co-worker, that individual that that just gets on your last nerve, we don't give up on people because God didn't give up on us. In Luke chapter 15, I'm going to have Charisma join me this morning. Pastor Troy's wife, she's going to come join me this morning. and Come on, give her a round of applause. She's getting ready to head out to uh, New York for, uh, for um, Thanksgiving, her and her mom. And man, I'm so jealous. I, I want to read the scripture to you out of, out of, out of uh, Luke chapter 15 as I hand this to her, okay? It says, or Luke chapter 15 is considered the lost chapter. It talks about the lost son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. We we did a whole series on the prodigal son. But I want to pick it up in verse 8. It says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, doesn't light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece of silver I lost. Likewise, I say to you that there is joy in the presence of the angels and God over one sinner. Someone say one sinner. That repents. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to have Sister Charisma just go ahead and open that up. I want you to count how many coins you have in there. So you got nine. Scripture says how many did she have? That tells me she lost one. So you have to look around this church to find that one coin. You can leave these ones with me while you're looking. I'll I'll hold on to these, okay? But I got a prize for you. If you find it, we got a gift card for you, okay? 
So you can't keep my coins. These are my silver dollars, but you can't keep these. My dad gave me these. But you look around this church. Somewhere in this church is another coin. Okay? So while I'm speaking, she's going to go looking for the coin. So encourage her. You see her looking. And uh, come on, give Charisma a round of applause. She she said, can I check people's purses? Go ahead. I want you to know something here. I, I, I've been talking to you about this, that, that culture, that, co- that values create culture. And that Peter Drucker made the comment of that culture eats strategy for lunch. That you could have a strategy, but if you don't have the right culture in your marriage, you could have a culture that says, or a strategy that says, I want to heal my marriage. I want to get out of debt. I, I, want, I want to get out of depression. But if you don't have the right culture, that strategy is going to be destroyed because culture is what determines what takes place in your life. Now, the Bible says what we, what we add, God multiplies. And so I want you to understand that when we add faith, God will multiply grace. When we add faith, God multiplies grace. And so the Bible says that this woman had uh, 10 coins and lost one of them. Now, these coins cannot walk. They can't talk. They don't have a will of their own. So the fact that there's a coin missing means that it wasn't the coin's fault that it got lost. That was somewhere along the way, the woman that owned the coins misplaced one. That as she was counting it, as she was caring for it, one fell out. And she doesn't just say this, and I got nine left. I'm not going to look for the other one. I still got nine. She doesn't do that. Why? Because the coins are valuable. So she goes crazy looking throughout the house until she finds the lost coin. Now, I need you to follow me on this, okay? Because this is important. You see, one of the things that happens is that if we don't have the right culture, we don't have the ability to sustain growth. That's why it's important for you to come to church every week. When you miss a week, you're destroying a week of culture or environment that allows certain things to grow in your life. And so if you don't show up, you're allowing the different environments to affect you. And that's why love, mercy, grace, and different things aren't growing in your life like they're supposed to. Now, when this woman loses this coin, I want you to find something. I want you to recognize something here, okay? It's called the lost chapter because we got a lost coin, a lost son, and a lost lamb. It should be called the found chapter because everything lost got found. Say it again, Pastor. Everything that got lost got found. So I want you to know three things about these coins. Number one, she valued all of them. She didn't choose one over the other. Oh, man, this one's my favorite. They were all valuable to her. Each one had a value. Each one had a price on it. Secondly, the fact that she recognized one was missing tells me that she counted them. You see, God blesses you so that you can keep account of the things that he gave to you. That God wants you to be a good steward of what he's blessed you with. And the third thing I want you to understand is that she valued each of them equally. I want you to know that God values all of us equally. That you're all valuable in the sight of God. 
But I need you to understand. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever lost something of value? Have you ever lost something of value? Whether it's your car keys, whether, whether it's uh, money, and you're searching everywhere, looking all over the place. How do you feel when you lose something? There's this panic that comes over you. You start tearing things apart. How many of you have ever put on a pair of pants and you found money in it? Anyone at all? I tell you what, I do a little Holy Ghost dance when I put on a pair of pants and I fill something in the back pocket and it's not a bill, but it's actually cash. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And not realizing that there's a 20 in there or there's a hundred or there's a there's a five. Even if it's a one, I celebrate. Come on, somebody. But I I want I want to build a a bridge here because in John chapter eight, it tells a story about a woman. It says in John chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and as he sat down to teach them, he was speaking, and the teachers of the religious law, the leaders of the religious law, Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. They literally took her and dropped her in front of Jesus. There's a crowd of people standing around as they put this woman right in front of Jesus and the crowd. And I want you to see what happens here. See, whenever we sin, whenever you and I sin, there's a natural response that we all have to sin. Number one, we get defensive when we're called on it. Has anyone ever called you on sin? Anyone ever said, hey, man, you're doing something? What's our first initial reaction, even when you know you're wrong? Who are you? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The first thing we do is we get defensive. Who are you to tell me about? And, and all, instead of looking for correction, we get defensive. The second thing we feel, for some, you feel remorse. Have you ever felt bad when you do something and you're called on it and you realize, man, I I really blew it here. Come on. Taking ownership of what you've done. The difference between a boy and a man is the ability to take responsibility. And the third response when you do something wrong is repentance. Man, not only do I feel bad for it, but man, I, I will never do this again. Being sorry is not repentance. Saying I'm sorry is not enough. You have to repent in order to receive forgiveness. Now, I want you to see what happens here in verse 4 of chapter 8. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman, everyone say this woman, was caught in in the act of adultery and the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They brought this woman and they caught her in the act of adultery. Literally caught her in the... Now, how do you catch her in the act? What what is adultery? Cheating? Keep going, girl. What, what, what What is adultery? Sex? Not just out to that, that's fornication, but sex with someone that's not your wife or your husband. 
okay? So she's caught in the act. She's literally in sexual relationships with the man when they caught her. But something's fishy about this. It's like they set her up. Because where's the man? If they caught both of them, why is only the woman here? It was like they chose one coin over the other. It was like they valued one coin over the other coin. And they catch her in the very act of adultery. But only the woman do they bring before Jesus. And I want you to see what happens here. You see, it's, it's easy. Some people think it's their ministry to find dirt on other people. They're looking out, waiting for you to mess up, looking out, waiting for you to trip, looking out, waiting for you to sin. And they're just waiting there like hawks to just blow it so I can tell the pastor on you. Now, they never tell on themselves, never tell on other individuals, but they got their eyes on certain people because they value one coin over another. Jesus responds incredibly different than the crowd expected. Because Jesus carried a different culture. Now, look, look with me in verse 6. It says, when they were trying to trap him into saying something, they were trying to get Jesus to agree with what they were saying. Notice this. But Jesus, what? In fact, uh, I'm, there you go. All right, there you go. But Jesus, oh, you thought you, thought you found it, huh? <laughs> but Jesus, what? He what? He came down. He didn't look down. He came down. No, no, you're, you're not catching this. The same way the coin was lost. And here we have a lost woman laying in front of Jesus. Jesus gets down on his knees, on his hands, and he begins to look for the lost daughter. He looks for the individual that got lost. He just like the coin, he goes looking for it. He stooped down, and the Bible says that he, he, he wrote in the dust, in the dirt. What I love about God, God's not afraid to get dirty for us. God's willing to get his hands dirty when it comes to our lives. It says that he stooped down and he, he wrote in the dust with his finger and they kept demanding an answer. So then what's he do after they demand an answer? He what? He stooped down and then he, he stood up. There's a picture I'm painting for you here. I need you to grab a hold of it because what I'm sharing with you is what God did. That when Adam and Eve fell, it had already been designed in creation and redemption that Jesus would leave the glory and the splendor of heaven and he would come and stoop down next to us in the middle of our dirt and literally touch the dirt where God's DNA would come in contact with the dirt of mankind. Uh, you're not following me here. And then he stood up. He came in the form of a child. And then he grew up. He stood up on our behalf. 
And it says this, and they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. Jesus stooped down next to her, stood up to protect her, then stooped down again to comfort her. I want you to stay with me on this. Perfect picture, left the, the, the glory of heaven, stooped down to us and became a man, stood up on our behalf, and then again he stood down, he stooped down where he laid himself out on the cross and gave his life as a ransom for you and I. I came to tell you today that no matter how far you've fallen, no matter how damaged you may be, no matter what fall you've gone through, that God can still redeem you, that God can still put you back together again that God will literally do whatever it takes to find the one see I want you to notice three things very quickly or actually just a couple things or three things like the coin the woman's value was determined by her creator not her fall she got lost but God found her I said, she got lost, but God found her. You don't have to find God. God's looking for you. You might be in a dark place. You may be in a situation where no one can find you. You don't have to go looking for God. God is looking for you right now. Even if you don't have the strength to get up, my God will still reach down, pull you out of the dust, and lift you back up again. Somebody give God a praise. Your value, your, you found it. You didn't give up. You didn't give up. You did a good job. I was, there were a couple times you got close and I was going to say, personal, found But you found it. How do you feel? Sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> That's for you. That's a good job. Come on. Give it up. Good job, Miha. Good job. Everyone, you celebrating with her, she just got herself a $25 gift card to, to uh, Starbucks. So, good job, Miha. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says this. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. The value of anything is based on the price someone was willing to pay for it. And so God, the Son of God, gave his life for you. That makes each and every one of you in here priceless. I don't care if you went through a divorce. I don't care if you've gone through a sickness. I don't care what addiction you've gone through. I don't care what battles you've had. I don't care what mess-ups you've done. That a righteous man falls seven times but gets up again. Number two, like the coin, her value didn't change. Even lost, she was still worth what God determined her worth was. See, many of us considered ourselves to be damaged goods because of the falls we've gone through in life. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you lost value because of what you've gone through? 
feel embarrassed, unworthy? I know I have. There are times where I'm getting ready to preach and I feel like, man, I'm not, I'm not even... Just, like, can you handle honesty? Can you handle honesty this morning? Or do you want to go to a place where, where they're just going to be fake and not... There, there are times I don't feel like a man of God. And I don't feel like I even have the right to speak into your life. But my value is not based on who I am, but on who he is. Oh, come on, somebody. When you're in that situation, it affects your ability to walk in the anointing and the call that God gives you. Satan always reminds you who you were. God reminds you who you're going to become. The Bible says that Jesus stooped down and it was an example of humanity. God, the, the, the great God coming down and, and, and coming right down in our situation, in our mess. He didn't tell her to get up. He came down to where she was at. God meets you where you're at. God meets you in the dirt. God bends down in your dirt, in your destruction. God shows himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He stooped down. He humbled himself. He took on the form of man. Luke 5, 8 says, Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Charisma was working this place. She was all up and down the aisleways, going in here in the, in the camera area at the altar. She even moved the pulpit. She was searching. She was on a mission. God's looking for you. God's searching you out this morning. Luke 9.10 says, 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. God's seeking you. God's searching for you this morning. The worship team, if you would help me. I, I, I want to know this morning, do you know that you're valuable? No, no you're, you're not hearing me. You're valuable. Thank you, Lord. Even in your sin. Amen. Even in your mess up. Even in your struggle. Even in your damage. Amen. Even in your addiction. Yes. Even in your divorce. Even in your, your, your rebellion. He loves you. Amen. You're valuable. Yes. You're val you don't lose value just because you're lost. He goes on and says this, that Jesus, verse 10, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, after he told them, those without sin cast the first stone, and he wrote in the dirt again. Now, now the, theologians for years have been trying to figure out, what did Jesus write in the dirt? And, and we've come up with some different ideas of what Jesus wrote. We don't know what he wrote because the Bible doesn't say it. Because God didn't think it was any of our business. Which makes me go into CSI mode. What was it that he wrote that he's protecting? Every coin is what? 
even lost its, even damaged its, what I believe. When he wrote the first time is that he wrote the name of the person she was caught with. And it was a man of respect and a man of honor. And so when they saw the name, they backed up. But Jesus didn't tell us why. Because he was still a coin that was valuable. He wasn't trying to put this man on blast for the rest of his life and eternity into generations after he was gone. Jesus rode in the dirt and said, it's none of your business what his name was. Then he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone and then went back to writing. And he probably started writing the names of the men who had been with her. Why? Because it says from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to dissipate. And I love what Jesus does at this moment. Listen very carefully this morning. Verse 10, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? She got up and she looked around. And she says, there's no one. This is so cool. He goes, neither do I condemn you. I found you. I've been looking for you forever. I've been looking all over the place for you. I've been searching the house high and low. I've been looking in the corners of the darkest places, looking all over for you because you were lost, but now I found you. I, I found one of the coins. I found one of the sheep. I found one of the sons. They're finally home once again. But I love what Jesus says. Now, th this is, this is going to damage some people now. Because you love the love. You, you love the restoration. I'm valuable. All high. I'm valuable. All drunk. I'm valuable. Living in sin. I'm valuable, pastor said. After Jesus saves her, he looked at her in verse 11 and tells her, after she says, I see no accusers, he says, neither do I. Then he says, go and sin no more. I forgive you. Love loves you right where you are, but it doesn't allow you to stay in that condition. Jesus said, I love you. I found you, but I'm not going to allow you to go back to that crap anymore. I'm not going to allow you to go back to that sin anymore. You were created for more than what you're experiencing. You were created for better than what you're allowing into your life. So get up and go and sin no more. You were created for that lifestyle. You were created to be loved. 
to be valuable, to be cherished, to be honored, not used. Don't get it twisted. Love accepts you where you are, but it doesn't allow you to stay there. Love does not mean approval. Well, if you love me, you're going to accept me. I accept you. But I'm not going to let you stay there. Well, they don't love me because they're, they're, they're correcting me. No, it's because they love you that they're correcting you. Love you. We've been down that road. We've walked that path. And when I correct my kids, I'm trying to keep them from going in the direction that I've already been. I don't want you to waste years in something I've already gone through. A wise man learns by his mistake, but a wiser man learns by the mistake of others. Now, now check this out. This, this is gonna, this is gonna hurt some people. Jesus stooped, stooped down so we don't have to. He told her, go and what? Go and, go and, okay. But what if they don't repent? What if you find them in that situation and they refuse to repent? What do we as a church do? What do we as a family do? The Apostle Paul lays it down. In 1 Corinthians 5, 5, no one preaches this. He says, hand the man over to Satan. You don't want to repent. You don't want to get things right. Then we're going to stop praying prayers of protection over you. And we're going to tell Satan, you have your way with them right now. You do whatever you need to do in their life to bring them to repentance. That the goal isn't for them to be destroyed and go to hell. What's he say? He says, hand the man over for destruction of the what? You see, your flesh is gonna die. The flesh is gonna pass away. That's only temporary. God's not concerned just about the flesh. He's concerned about your spirit. That's gonna go on forever. And the apostle Paul says, if they refuse to repent, hand them over to Satan. Stop praying prayers of protection over them. The hardest prayer I ever prayed was over my daughter. Where I stopped praying protection over her. And when my wife heard me pray that prayer, she goes, stop. What are you doing? I said, babe, I love her. We got to allow God to do whatever it takes to save her soul. Not just her body. It was the hardest prayer I ever had to pray as a father. But we released her to Satan so that the body could be destroyed, but that the spirit might be saved. You know, the good news is in 2 Corinthians, this man repents. This man is fine again. But some of the people hadn't received him because they thought he was damaged. And Paul says, no, you bring him back in. You welcome him back into the body. You celebrate that he's back in the body. It worked. God brought him back. God restored him. God re brought him to wholeness once again. I need you to understand that we will do anything short of sin to bring people to Jesus. Come on, somebody.
Man, we will even hand you over to Satan. We will even allow the enemy. Notice I didn't capitalize his name on the scripture. Because he doesn't deserve a capital letter. I want you to know this morning that God's plan and value for you is bigger than your mess up. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place right now. Say this with me, I'm valuable. Even when I'm lost, I'm valuable. Even when I'm damaged, I'm valuable. Even when I'm in a dark place, I'm valuable. Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice right now. That, Lord, you would bring hope, encouragement, and strength to each and every life. Lord, I decree right now, I am not what my parents say I am. I am not what others say I am. I am who you say I am. That even when I'm lost, you value me. Even when I'm damaged, you value me. Man cannot put a value on me because you created me and you determined my value. No one can wipe out my value that you gave to me. And so, God, today, even in my damaged condition, I'm grateful that you came down to where I am. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.